0: All right, and welcome to this special series of Real Estate Fight Club. Now, this series is called What Would You Do? And it airs every Wednesday. We discuss ethics and professional standards committee cases and scenarios. And joining me today on this episode is Jim Camarata. Hey, Jim.
1: Hey. Hey you doing, Jennifer?
0: Great. And Jim's from Keller Williams out of uh, Minneapolis, right?
1: Right. Correct. Excellent.
0: All right, Jim, what case do you have for us today?
1: Well, we've got an interesting case, and um, it's it's right out of the NAR playbook. So, want me to read it first? And then Let's can hear go. it. Yeah. All righty. So, as the exclusive agent of art of uh, client A, Realtor B offered client A's house for sale, advertising it as being located near a bus stop. Prospect C, who explained that his daily routine made it necessary for him to have a house near the bus stop was shown client A's property, liked it, and made an offer. Two days later, Realtor B read a notice that the bus line running near client A's house was being discontinued. He informed, (laughs) Yep. He informed the prospect C of this, and prospect C responded that he was no longer interested in client A's house since the availability of bus transportation was essential to him. Realtor B informed client A and recommended that Prospect C's deposit be returned. Client A reluctantly complied with Realtor B's recommendation, but then complained to the Board of Realtors that Realtor B had not faithfully protected and promoted his interests. Mm -hmm. That Prospect C had expressed his willingness to buy, Realtor B should not have made a disclosure that killed the sale since the point actually was not of major importance. The new bus route, he showed, would put a stop within six blocks of the property. In a meeting before uh, a hearing panel of the board's Professional Standards Committee, Realtor B explained that in advertising client A's property, the fact that a bus stop was less than a block from the property had been prominently featured. He also made the point that prospect C in consulting with him, had emphasized that Prospect C's physical disability necessitated a a, a home near a bus stop. Thus, in his judgment, the change in bus routing materially changed the characteristics of the property in the eyes of the prospective buyer, and he felt under his obligation to give honest treatment to all parties in the transaction that he should inform Prospect C, and that in doing so, he was not violating his obligation to his client. I'll stop there.
0: That's a good one. So what's the what's the code that they were citing in that?
1: Code, Article 1.
0: Okay, can you read that?
1: Article 1, when representing a buyer, seller, landlord, tenant, or other client as an agent, realtors pledge themselves to protect and promote the interests of their client. This obligation to the client is primary, but it does not relieve realtors of their obligation to treat all parties honestly. When serving a buyer, seller, landlord, tenant, or other party in a non-agency capacity, realtors remain obligated to treat all parties honestly.
0: So the listing, the seller was saying, complaining that his agent didn't represent him by disclosing that the bus stop was no longer going to be one block. It was going to be like six blocks or whatever. I mean, six blocks is pretty significant in a city block. I mean, that's, that's like over a mile. It's like a mile and a half.
1: It's it's a good distance. And if you have a physical disability as this prospect does, right. Um, yeah. That that's.
0: But at the same market, time, right. like I can see, I can understand the seller's like, Frustration because maybe for them it's like well it's not a big deal, but I can see like if the buyer is buying it because of the location of the bus stop then it is a big deal. But like, what if this would have happened like the day before closing? You know what I mean?
1: Like- I know, I know. It gets really hairy, and as the broker in my office, my job is to keep my my fellow agents out of realtor jail.
0: <laughs> Luckily, and- there's no real realtor jail. <laughs> They don't know that. It's like this made-up tent city in Arizona. No, okay.
1: I've got them all upset. Oh, Jim, I don't want to go to realtor jail. Ah, I mean, I'm
0: curious, like, I don't know. We did a podcast on how much did you know about the house that you're listing, and, like, this knowledge seems like a lot. Like, I wouldn't know that stuff about anything I was listing, I don't think. Like, how would they even know? You know what I mean?
1: And that that's where it, it it really gets tricky. But the yeah. fact that his agent found that out through some sort of article or in the newspaper. Right, or something- like
0: somehow there was knowledge of it. And then, yeah, and they knew if they, I would say, like, if I knew that that was the main reason that the buyer was buying the house, right, then I would probably tell my seller, look, I, this is not going to go over well. Like, th- there's going to be a problem here. You know what I mean? There-
1: Yeah. And there are some (laughs) some clients that don't want their agents to disclose material facts. Oh, you don't need to tell them that. Well, you do. You should. Uh, I I cringe. My whole body just tenses up and I just say, nope, sorry about that. We are held to a higher standard of uh, performance and uh, ethics. And well, and wouldn't they want to know? You told me, I've got to disclose that. If right. I find out and it's a material fact, I have to disclose that. And right. you can't hide that.
0: Right. Sorry. And what else are you hiding?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> because here's the thing. Like, I understand the sellers need to want to sell the house, right? And this is why we should – this is – we've had conversations before, too, about, like, marking it pending right as soon as it becomes under contract because you do have this whole thing of like well what if that buyer doesn't close right and here's like a perfect example there's nothing wrong with the house but yet when the house goes back on the market there's going to be this stigma potentially of like well why'd the house go back on the market and even if even when the realtor explains look it was a bus stop issue most buyers gonna be like yeah right you know what I mean? Like, OK. Or like it was a, you know, financing issue. Yeah, right. And now the seller is screwed.
1: Yeah. And I and I never knew that interstate was behind us. <laughs>
0: right. I didn't know there was a giant tower. So I don't know. I feel like in based on what you told me, it doesn't. And based on like what I'm hearing, it doesn't seem like the agent was in violation. What do you, you think? I mean, no, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I do. I do. But weren't you saying Uh, you thought it was something else too? Could be something else.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We we get down to, uh, I think it was the the client uh, used the word uh, a material fact. In his mind,
0: that was not material,
1: was not a material fact. And yet when you look at article two, which is real clear about it, realtors, shall avoid exaggeration, misrepresentation, mm. Mm. or concealment of pertinent facts relating to the property or the transaction. By golly, we have knowledge we have to disclose that. But to
0: the seller's point is if it were I I, I agree. Like I think that material could be a distance issue. Maybe. I mean I would I would argue that if I if I was the seller or the agent. So if it's one more block or if it's like close by, I don't know that it's material. In my head, six blocks seems very material because Mm -hmm. that's a large distance. But where does it become large and not large? You know what I mean? And that is what I don't know. I mean, we'd obviously have to ask an attorney and maybe there'd be 400 opinions if we asked 400 attorneys. And you would. Yeah. (laughs) But like, do you think that material, how would you like justify that in your mind
1: yeah it's it's information that I now have Mm -hmm. that possibly alter or affect my decision by or not so it's information that is key to me and to my decision-making process yeah so as this person who is a handicapped person oh my gosh going from one block to six blocks I can't handle that
0: but even how you're saying it wouldn't even matter if it was going from one side of the street to the other, it still could potentially be material based, um, to the person that's buying it.
1: Yeah, the house that I just put on the market this morning received the notice from the city of a $10,000 street improvement assessment. Oh. It's got to be disclosed. Well, sure, that does. Got to be Close, and you know people yeah. were asking about it and you know what does it entail is it you want more information i, I loaded it up onto uh, the supplements yeah uh, all the city you right call them. yeah i'm not the Here's city the i don't one. know the but place. you
0: also have these buy you have some buyers that have this remorse right because it takes so long for us to close which is like a whole nother soapbox that i'll spare you mm-hmm. jim but like okay what if the bus stop moved from the middle of the block to the end of the block right? Like literally maybe we'll call it, I mean, it's probably more than 10 steps, but like that potentially could be material, but then you always, you have some people that'll just want to get out of a contract just to get out of it.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's buyer's remorse.
0: I know. And that sucks because now from the seller's side, you're screwed again, you know?
1: Yeah. And in our state, we have oh, a couple of different ways in which a, a buyer could get out of a contract. One is during the home inspection time period. Okay. And the second is during the review period of the, uh, the HOA docs or condo docs. Mm-hmm. So, right. Period, statutory law. And if they don't like what they see for whatever reason,
0: they can be out. So right. I think I mean, if I'm, if I'm as a listing agent, I like to have backup offers, no matter what market we're in, because anything can happen. Anything can change, you know? And I know that when it goes from active to pending to back to active, and if it's going to do that, I usually will cancel it and relist it because there is like, there is, there is a stigma and that, that's what, like, what do you do? Because you know that it exists. And even if you tell the agents the real story, they don't believe you. The buyers don't believe you.
1: Yeah. And fortunately, in this particular case, it was uh, three days. So there was hardly was any hardly. Oh, any well, that's not that
0: bad. Yeah. But what if it was, you know, 25 days?
1: Yeah. If it's past the inspection time period and there's no HOA uh, review period, I'd have to. But
0: because
1: fire, you better seek uh, legal counsel.
0: Okay, but because they, um, because it was a material fact, is that why they were allowed? Let's say it was past those days, but a material fact changed. Does that allow them to get the earnest money back, the buyers?
1: Part of it, it, it. um, Well, let me let me read it to you. Okay. Uh, The pen concluded that Realtor B had not violated Article 1, but had acted properly under both the spirit and the letter of the code of ethics. The panel noted that the decision to refund prospect C's deposit was made by the seller, client A, even though the listing broker Realtor B had suggested it, uh, that it was only fair due to the change in circumstances. But it was the client's decision mm-hmm. to that sign it or not. Panel's opinion weighed heavier and said, "Okay, that wasn't the the, uh, the agent not being loyal. All he did right. was suggest it. It was the client's decision to mm-hmm. refund it." Yeah, that's where these panel discussions and and reviews get really hairy. Yeah, um, the longest one I've been involved in is six hours. Wow. Yeah, the longest uh, 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 ethics hearing that I've ever sat through was six hours.
0: That's so long.
1: It, it was painful. It was just painful. I got a free lunch out of it, but it was painful.
0: That's not, no, no thanks. Well, that was a really good case, very thought provoking. I appreciate you bringing that to us. And if people um, have a referral for you in Minneapolis, what's the best way to get a hold of you?
1: Sure, I respond to all different uh, media. Uh, my direct phone number is 612-562-7461. My email is first and last name, Jim Camerata, and that's C-A-M-A-R-A-T-A, it's a lot of A's, uh, at aw.com And I've also got a wonderful website, Camerata Numeric. Numeric is my daughter-in-law, uh, camaradanumeric.com. So nice. a lot of different reach me.
0: Yeah. And all you're all over social media with your name. So you're pretty easy to find. Well, I want to thank everybody for listening. Now, if you heard something you like and you enjoyed this podcast, please share it and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and join us on Clubhouse on Thursdays at noon Eastern, where we'll be talking about these cases. And of course, if you have any questions, feel free to call me 513-400-1691. Hey, Jim, thanks a lot. I
1: appreciate it.
0: Have
1: a good one. Bye-bye.